here we are. We are back again to bring us into episode 24, 25, Chris. I don't know. You tell me. Like, I keep forgetting the numbers. Is it 24 or 25? 24. 24 of the Rub Wrestling Podcast, bringing various news, rumors, results, everything coming your way. Um, As always, we talk about where you can find us on the podcast. You can find us on Google. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube. We're a big hit there. Subscribe, like us, and if you don't, go fuck yourself. But, Josh, I'm watching you when I say this. With that being said, let's move into some, you know, wrestling talk because that's what we're really here for. We had a big pay-per-view on the weekend with Full Gear. We're going to go into some of the review of that. We're going to talk about the Continental Classic. And we're also going to go into um, Survivor Series, which is one of uh, the biggest PLEs for WWE uh, that's happening this weekend. So pretty fun month of wrestling um, in the month of November. Um, Hey, Santa's come early, boys. What do you say? Um... With that, we have our esteemed panel. We got Chris, we got Josh, and we're going to fire everything up right now. Chris, it is American Thanksgiving. There was a lot of football on. Are you a football fan, and who do you cheer for? Because I really have no idea. Uh, yeah, I, like I, I I never really was. I, bought, I have one of those starter Dallas Cowboys jackets back in the day, so I, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. I knew Emmett Smith played for them and Troy Aikman, and so like I was a fan of them. Uh, I'm in a football pool. I've been in a football pool for about five five years now. I don't watch wow. any football, so I have no idea what I'm doing. It's just I basically donate fifty bucks every year to the winner. But it's nice. uh, it's kind of fun. I s- still get to do trades. You know how I like trades from you guys are you guys are my <laughs> baseball pool. So I trade, and all I do I don't know anything. So I just ask the person for one pick more, like a be- like one one up pick, and then I usually get it. So I'm like, okay, I guess I guess I won that one. So basically, Josh, I think what Chris is telling us right now that his fantasy football skills when it comes to the NFL is like Leon Lett fumbling in the Super Bowl against the Uh, Bills like when we were in like 93. So great assessment. Great job, Chris. Do the celly and then get fumbled by uh, some special teams guy in the end zone. (laughs) Josh, bringing it on else, bringing you another sport topic, a fun one, because I know you're not a massive basketball fan, but the in the in season tournament has now started. We're going to talk about, you know, wrestling's in season tournament that started. But what do you think about the in tournament, uh, the in tournament playing with uh, the NBA during the in season for uh, for that tournament with, uh, you know, the Raptors, I think, losing to the the Celtics uh, in the beginning here, since we're probably all Raptors fans, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's cool that they're doing something different. I, I, it's 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 you know, it's not the the one tone, and then it gives everybody an opportunity to play for something. You know, like a team that gets hot or that you know wins the right games when they're supposed to. Uh, have you seen the like how they put the floors down? They're different colors. It's really, I don't. It's hard to watch. I mean, I'm looking at the some of the floors and it's like you know bright like a bright color, and it's it's different, but. Uh, yeah, basketball is so much different than I remember when, when, you know, watching when we were in high school or like, you know, watching, you know, the Bulls. And it's just, I don't know, like I was watching the Raptors highlights yesterday. I don't watch a lot of basketball, but I watch highlights. And I mean, they're letting like close to 130 points a game sometimes. It's fucking crazy. Like there's no, yeah. not to say there's no defense, but the offense is so insane in basketball. Like they're throwing threes from everywhere. And so, uh yeah, I think it's cool that they're shaking it up. Uh, something different, and, you know, it's better than, like, an all-star game, that's for sure. Uh, Chris, I'll throw it back to you just one really quick second. I just want to see if you get this trivia. Can you name this show? <laughs> Damon Stoudemire. 
Rashid Wallace. I wish, but I, I can't. I can't think of it right now. It was basketball players getting arrested on Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> and then the then the one guy said it was like basically the uh, the skit was like, what would you do if you get arrested for what NBA players would do? And there's this one one guy who's there. He's stabbing some guy and he's like, Paul Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Stoudemire and Rashid, the, they're they're part of the jailblazers. Yeah, it was like if I no, okay, I actually got what it is now. It was like basically if if you were to do like kind of your uh, pull up a jumper and say Kobe, and everybody was saying Kobe, but you used other other players, and then they had another guy that choked like their boss, and he called Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> Good fucking times, man. Anyways, oh yeah. You know, we have to agree with Josh. You know, things are a little bit different. We'll talk about a couple things today, but let's get right into full gear. We talked about the preview. Um, so we have a little mix up in getting the uh, the info out uh, for the podcast for the full gear preview, but it is coming, guys. So be patient. Listen to that episode first. Come back to this. This one will be released probably in a week. Um, but yeah, overall, um, just Chris, if we're just going to talk right off the cuff, like what were your original thoughts about watching Full Gear and watching the show? Do you think it lived up to AEW standards or do you think that it, it kind of missed the mark a little bit? Uh, I, I didn't I didn't catch I didn't catch the whole thing, but uh I did catch some of it. Um Sorry, my screen just switches every once in a while uh so I, I did catch some of it i caught uh hangman and and swerve um i like that uh what else did i see it's the fact that i don't remember is is kind of telling is that i wasn't as into it as i thought it would be um i have heard from everybody take a drink mcpherson that uh the <laughs> the mjfj white wasn't he, he found it a little overbooked i didn't see it so i don't know if you guys want to um comment on that but uh, uh a lot of the outcomes i was happy with like julia hart i'm pretty happy to see that to be honest with you it was yeah. a it was a surprise as well so it's uh that was that's that's always nice um and i'm happy that i'm definitely happy that uh the golden the golden jets are still still together i thought that was we, we don't want to see another young bucks run it at a title so it's good that you know they kind of yeah. have uh ftr and the young bucks not in the mix and they have different teams coming in so it's a little a little nice to see um yeah, but uh, you know, you would have liked to see the devil at the end, but we didn't. Um, I, th- I think we all called the Will Osprey thing, so that was that was happy to that was I was happy to see that. Uh, so you know, it's like it's one of the normal AEW shows. Like it's a normal AEW pay per view. Chris, as energetic as always, Josh. What are your thoughts? about full gear do you feel like if you was it a banger do you find it was a banger do you find it was a mixed bag or do you find it was uh you know a gong show for for all sakes and purposes uh i mean i i always enjoy the you know there's always one or two matches in in a pay-per-view for AEW that you know steal the show i always gonna gripe on how many matches there are and how long the pay-per-view is because like I felt like in a pay-per-view like this, even if you had three matches that were like A pluses or A's, you'd still have a bunch of forgettable matches or you'd have some downtime. So it'd be really difficult. I feel like, you know, unless you have banger after banger after banger, the the atmosphere is going to be difficult or not as strong. 
And even if you have banger after banger after banger, like when we watched Forbidden Door, it wasn't like there wasn't a lot of bad matches, but like it was long. It's just too long. Um, and so I'm also not super keen. You know how I felt about like, you know, MJF wrestling twice and you're like, okay, so you've got this huge roster and you're not using everybody and MJF's in every story and that's great, but like enough is enough. And I, the injury storyline, you know, it was kind of stupid. Like Adam Cole's going to fight Jay White. And like, I was kind of hoping like that was actually going to happen. And Adam Cole was actually just not injured. And, you know, like then it's like, okay, so now we can move on from it. But uh, obviously he's clearly injured. Um, and apparently MJF's injured now as well, but he should be okay for, um, world's end i guess and i guess that's why joe's book they booked joe like he, they did yesterday where you know he's like i'll protect you for until we get to world's end and it'll probably just help max avoid you know any matches but like it's so i still find the storyline interesting for max going to be like a super baby face where he would wrestle not want to wrestle every night to like oh yeah i'm gonna wrestle every night so um i'm glad that we didn't get the devil payoff, but I'm also kind of like, fuck, I, re- I really wish I knew who the devil was. But now they, if they surprise us, like I hope they do, um, it'll be, the payoff will be even that much better. But I, I still think that it's going to be out of coal under that mask. So like the payoff's not going to be worth it, but whatever. Um, but that, uh, agree with Chris, uh, hangman and swerve. Ooh. That was like if that was the only match of the night, I, it, that made the pay per view for me watching that because you don't get to see a match like that very often. Yeah, you know what? I, I'd honestly say for me, when you're kind of looking at the pay per view as a whole and what we paid, and it comes out to about what fifty dollars, I'd say literally when we're going to talk about Hangman and Swerve in a second, that that was the money match of the night by far. Like that was worth the fifty dollars in my opinion, and Tony Khan really struck gold with that. But I also think that those two wrestlers and a lot of the performers that were on the show that really developed their storyline or had a a previous link to a storyline that was functional made it work like moxley and cassidy made it work um you know the women's matches the the, a lot of the storylines have been convoluted but the julia hart thing was 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 great i thought it was a thought at one point that i thought sky blue was gonna go over and um you know and statlander is 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 okay. I think it's just the challenge of having two women's belts. There should really only be one, in my opinion, just because uh, you can't really split up a roster that's small like that. Um, but I felt overall as a whole, when we watched Full Gear, it felt a little bit short compared to what we've seen in some of the other pay-per-views. And I think a lot of it is, Josh, exactly what you just said. It's like this convoluted storyline with MJF where, you know, he's wrestling the guns. And if anybody thinks that it's stupid that he wasn't going to get he wasn't going to get beat down like that. You're an idiot. Like that's, it was basically foretold or foreshadowed that that was going to happen. And we, we knew he was going to have to fight injured in the main event. Now, when Cole came out, like there was a couple things running through my head and Chris is going to like this. Cause it's like conspiracy. I thought maybe MJF doesn't come back and maybe Cole just lays down and then <laughs> Jay white wins it. And then you know, we have our reveal there. I I didn't think that like until the reveal didn't happen. I like to the very last second, I said the reveal could potentially happen. And, um, you know, and I think it, that like that got a little bit that started to wane after MJF one. But 
I think when you're kind of going through that, it is. It is a little convoluted with that storyline. I think now with what we saw in Dynamite, they went from full gear into Dynamite, and I thought Dynamite was a great show last night, um, kicking off the Continental Classic, which we'll talk about shortly as well. And I think we saw some great wrestling, really highlighted the product. We had an an insane storyline with Christian Cage that we'll get in soon. We'll talk about that, um, not tonight, but probably at a later date. Um, But just just crazy stuff from what we saw there. But anyways... um, that's my thoughts on full gear, but let's let's bring it to the match of the night. We don't want to wait anymore. Hangman and Swerve in a Texas death match had a buildup before that match that was fire all the way through. We had Swerve sneaking into Hangman's house. We had the weekend show in California. I think it was Friday or Saturday where basically Swerve was in the building. Hangman ran out through the crowd and beat him down. Like that. Like this was this felt like a feud. This felt personal. This felt you know, like a shit kicking. And it was really funny. There was a really cool homage in, you know, Swerve's ring gear where it was almost a little bit of slight tribute. It felt like to Bray Wyatt, um, with, with the pants and, and kind of all that stuff. And then, you know, hangman just comes out and just sets the tone right off the bat by punching him in the face. And then all of a sudden we have staples. We got a cinder block. What else? We got tables. We had, we had, Oh my God, we had broken glass. Like, That ring was a goddamn mess 20 minutes after to the point where Hangman could barely stand. There was so much sweat and blood in that ring when we went across. Now, Chris, um, I'm going to ask you this question because I think you've watched it a little more than Josh because you've watched a lot of the old, you know, Texas, like Japanese, these deathmatch styles where the rings are on fire, where there's barbed wire around the ring. Is this, will this go down as one of the best deathmatches of all time? Or is it blown out of proportion for what we're seeing in North America compared to what we saw 20 years ago in Japan? Just give me, what are your thoughts? Is this one of the best death matches you've ever seen? Yeah, it was, it was really good. And I've, I've seen, I've seen my fair share and even in ECW, you think about, uh, you think about, uh, new Jack, new Jack always have the stapler, like, Oh, the state, those staples went deep like that. That's good to see. And I mean, it told a story. It wasn't just a ruthless death death match just for the point of having a death match. So that's good. Um, yeah, it was it was perfect. It was it was from what I saw. It was the the match of the night for me, definitely. Um, and then like you can you can kind of build your company around these guys now. Like you gave them a chance, and now they're they're really showing. They really showed their ilk there, and and it's it's awesome. You have two two bona fide stars. They made two stars basically in that match. I think really the key when you're talking about that, Chris, and I agree, I think Hangman was already a star. He was the world champion already. But you know what? You really have to be able to develop these guys. And this was a perfect storyline for Swerve um, to really have the moment that he was going to have to go through. And, uh, you know, for, for even with him coming out with a victory, I think that was something that we were kind of like not really expecting with him walking out and winning it, you know. But at the end of the day, like, I think he's really earned his chops um, for what he's done. I mean, that takes a lot of guts. And when you watch death matches and people bleed very early in the first five minutes and the crimson mask is there, I don't think people realize what's that, what that's like to lose that much blood that quickly. And to still do the moveset that you have to do and perform at the level you perform at, 
um, and to hit your moves without like getting like some people lose a little bit of blood and they get dizzy or, or they they need to sit down and have a glass of water and a cookie or something like when you're taking blood. But when you lose that much blood and on top of that you're exerting yourself, like there's something really special there when you're looking at that. And they put on a great show, like. Josh, like like you said, not a shot at you for not watching a lot of the Japanese stuff, but what were your favorite moments of this match when you looked at it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was hooked from the beginning. Like, I've been, uh, you know, I kind of wasn't really keen on Swerve because I didn't really understand the Mogul Empire. Um, but uh, over the last few weeks or the last few months, uh, he's really turned me turned me into, uh, you know, Who's House, Swerve's House fan. Um I, I, one of my favorite parts was when Swerve was stapling himself, right? Like, he was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and, like, uh, you know, I, I was really hoping that he was going to win. And I thought, you know, he's probably not going to win because they're probably going to book a trilogy. But in my opinion, it didn't make sense for him to lose because, like, the, the momentum he's getting, the pop he's getting from the fans, like, he's a made man now. Like, he's, the fa- he's so over with the fans, even though he's still a heel. Like, this is... I think this is his opportunity to have a run to become the champion. Like, I think that's really what he should be like. That's, and maybe, you know, he alluded to being the first black champion at AEW before. Um, and I, I still think that like, you know, he would be a great, like that would be, uh, that would be fantastic. And I, I can't, I'm hoping that's what we get to see because I think that he brings something that's much different than a lot of the wrestlers, uh, in the world have. And uh, he's showing his uh, ability to um, have some, you know, like with the hardcore match, like just being able to be a versatile wrestler and being good on the microphone and not being your cookie cutter. This is what a wrestler is supposed to be kind of thing. And I I, I just really, really like it. And like Adam Page losing to Swerve in this match isn't going to hurt Adam Page. Adam Page you know, isn't going to be in the title picture anytime soon. And like I said, I think I'm really, I'm really happy that Strickland won because if he loses this match, then he's, you know, a couple months back because they're going to have to have the trilogy, right? Like now they can skip the trilogy for a year and maybe it happens when Swerve's risen to the top because he doesn't have to climb back that, climb that mountain again. It'll be interesting how, what happens because he's in the Continental Classic. So, I mean, there's a chance that he wins that instead which isn't a terrible thing because, you know, he, he could probably go to Japan too, right? So That's a really unique take, and I think when you're kind of looking at it, I absolutely agree. I Like, I would say at this point, after watching that death match, and you watch Swerve, and if you've watched Swerve on the indies, and you watch him in the WWE, there's two things that I really like to talk about. One, what, a, what an amazing redemption story of what it is to not have any creativity for your character, be basically roughshodded into having some stupid name like Isaiah Scott, but then being able to keep the swerve thing, use your old name kind of like you did in the Indies, and then basically come back, put on 25 pounds of muscle, and literally become, in a span of six to nine months, probably one of the best all-round performers in the game today. And I'm not going to, like, it's just, he can do anything. He can, he can do technical wrestling. He can fly. He can do a death match from what we saw. You know, he can grapple. He can do almost anything. And I think that's what's going to make it so key. And I think, Josh, you hit it right on the head. I think, like, it's not about 
you know, the staples were great. Like when, when Hangman Page was stapling the drawings of his kid on his face, like it was fantastic. <laughs> never seen anybody take a staple in the cheeks. I've seen them take it in the forehead. I've never seen them take it in the cheeks, but he's wrestling and the goddamn thing still on his face. It was fantastic. Like it was like, it was very gory. It was unsettling. Um, at times, but at the end of the day, the story that was told was amazing. And I think you hit it right on the head, Josh, like that was a main event caliber match and to do it again on a main event level for a world title would be unbelievable. And if it's a last man standing or something, and it has a step like that, you're going to see these guys fucking kill each other. And that's what I love to see. Like, you know, take care of yourself in the ring, but look like you guys actually killed each other. Like that's what makes it amazing right and like even with the stuff in the back like he's in the back and he's got the staples in and they're taking it out and I, obviously you know he's a rapper and he's on a label he has his label or whatever he has he has something that he's in the music industry there's a rapper in there and he goes are those real staples and he goes yeah they're real staples you want to pull them out and like you just didn't even care he's just like pulling them out like you know so like tough tough as nails like just dedicated to his craft and i think like what a redemption story for him and uh you know fantastic to see him get get the win there and, and do what he has to do and i'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to perform um especially on dynamite after getting the three points against um you know i think it was uh jay lethal um in a, in a pretty good match on dynamite for the continental classic which we'll talk about shortly now, uh, we're going to move from Hangman and Swerve. We're going to talk about the main event, uh, which was uh, MJF and Jay White, which was, you know, I, I don't think it had uh, a terrible buildup either. There was a lot of story there with Jay White stealing the belt, um, really the guns getting in the head of MJF and a whole bunch of things. But we talked about it. We alluded to it at the beginning. You know, there was a convoluted story there. Um, and, and this really got topsy-turvy with MJF having to wrestle twice for these ROH titles. And then Samoa Joe stepping in, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, MJF isn't in the main event anymore. It's Adam Cole because basically the guns have injured MJF's knee pretty bad and they have to take him out in an ambulance. Like, my God, my head's spinning just trying to talk about the goddamn storyline at full gear for this main event. So, um, Josh, we'll start with you on this question. And, you know, you kind of look at all this thing, like the wrestling, in my opinion, when you looked at MJF and Jay White, I think MJF did an amazing job selling the knee injury, but having a kayfabe knee injury like that, did that take away from the type of potential match that they could have had just by running a storyline that would have been effective at that point where they didn't have the ROH tag titles, let's say, and they just did the main event story? I mean, it definitely doesn't take away from MJF, right? It makes him more of a superhero than anything. I think what it does is, is it does, you know, like it kind of like what happened with uh, that tag team that he beat single-handedly. It's like, you know, you're, you immediately bury that person because now they've lost to someone who's handicapped or injured. Not to say that MJF can't overcome an injury. It's just, you know, like you build up this thing and I get that, you know, the heels are going to attack the face and that's kind of, you know, the way that it is, but just, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense for the story. Like MGF doesn't need to overcome that much. And then I thought he was doing an okay job selling the injury, but then he jumps off the top ropes doing an elbow drop on the ground. And it's like, I know like the, 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 the face gets over the injury, but it's like, I don't know. It just, it wasn't really the the match that I wanted to see. 
it wasn't a terrible match, but I think that like the injury and how much that impacted how it went uh, and how they got there with like Adam Cole going into the ring and like, you know, I maybe it would have been better like instead of saying Adam Cole fighting them, fighting him, it would be like, I'll make sure that, you know, you're well, something that will protect your belt. I did. It didn't really make any sense how someone could challenge for a, a title that uh, I don't know that that whole thing didn't make any sense. It was very UFC, but not like booked very well. I just didn't like it. Yeah, and you know what? I think like personally, I think they need to vacate these ROH tag titles. I mean, I think that's what it was when they both went to the ring on Dynamite on Wednesday night. I was really hoping that they were going to vacate them, and they didn't. And I think that's so stupid because you're taking like Josh, you hit it around the head. You're taking that spot away from somebody, right? Like so, we're taking that spot for these guys to have two titles that they're not going to defend or use. And basically, one of the other things is that ROH's biggest pay per view is at the end of the year. Always is. It's always ROH final battle. And to not have the tag team championships on the line at final battle is fucking stupid to me. Like, it just really is. It's just, it is bad booking to an extent. Um, You know, it's like, we talk about the devil payout as well. We never really got that payout, which is, which is fine. But I think if, if the payout was there, it probably would have taken away the allure of, or kind of the, the fundamental mistakes that would have potentially happened with that main event mat- match. Like, the sad part about me, and this is my question to Chris, and, and I'll get into my thoughts after like I usually do, but Chris, AEW has done such a great job building up Bullet Club Gold and building up Jay White as, you know, this 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 fucking superstar that has it all. Like, he's he's amazing in the ring, great on the mic, really passionate, really did a great job. Does this loss to MJF on a bum knee really actually take away from, you know, where he's going to kind of end up? I think he's still going to have the heat of being the leader of the gun club. And he still has, you know, him being in the Continental Classic as well to kind of overshadow what's kind of happened here. But at the end of the day, is this a bad loss for Jay White and his credibility as a world champion? I mean, the the optics aren't great because of the knee injury, but... um... No, I think I think he'll be fine. Uh, it's just like real sports, right? Teams teams lose in the World Series, they come back and they win the World Series. So, I think they're they have him going strong still. He got his three points in the tournament, which is which is good. So, it was a nice bounce back, bounce back from the loss, like coming coming right back with a win. Um, and we'll like yeah, we'll talk about the tournament later. But um, yeah, I I, th- I think he'll be just fine. I think. I think if they kind of like if they had him sit out for a little bit or or they had him come and lose the first round of his tournament match, that's going to be it's going to be a little harder to get him moving. But uh, yeah, he's still the leader of Bullet Club Gold. Um, I still get excited when I hear the Bullet Club Gold entrance music. So for me, it's still working. Um, I just uh, I want to see just like Swerve's getting his due. I'd like to see Jay White get his due and. Osprey mentioned specifically that it doesn't feel like their story was done from Japan. So, so I mean, that would be a good good feud for right when Osprey comes in. Absolutely. Um, 
would have really, on a side note, I really would have loved to see Will in the tournament, but he still has some dates and stuff to kind of finish up in Japan, right? So um, it's uh, there was a talk of a buyout of the agreement for him to get the contract. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting for when he joins up. He's not going to join up right away. And um, if uh, I'll just let everybody know before we talk about the Continental Classic, if you didn't get to see the press conference at Full Gear, it's, um, it's a really good performance by MJF there, too. And if you watch, it's the first 15, 20 minutes of the presser. Like, he was fucking emotionally drained. He was crying, eating pickles and a whole bunch of shit so really entertaining stuff for youtube if you uh if you haven't watched the presser so um it's always worth it uh, after five hours of wrestling to watch another two hours of tony khan talking i usually fall asleep an hour in but it's worth it so um now my favorite point holy fuck i got my wish guys we have a tournament in north america for professional wrestling and it started on wednesday night on dynamite and it's going to conclude at World's End. We got the Continental Classic, which is actually really unique because it will create um, a Triple Crown champion in this scenario, which is, I think it's going to be, what is it? It's the NJPW Strong title, the, um, the ROH World Championship, and there's going to be another belt that's that's there as well. And does it, I don't know if anybody knows what the other so belt the is. Continental, it's going to be the Continental Championship. Continental Championship. So, um, yeah, like really, really cool thing. We got 12, 12 great wrestlers in this. In the gold, there's two leagues, a blue league and a gold. In blue, we got Andrade Alidolo. We got Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Brody King, which is a big fan. We're a big fan of the show. I'm sure we're rooting for him. Um, Claudio Castagnoli and Daniel Garcia. The blue league uh, has not started. That will start on collision on Saturday night. But the gold league did start on Wednesday night, which was uh, Jay White against Jay. White against Jay Lethal. Jay White gets the W there. John Moxley uh, beat uh, Mark Briscoe in the main event uh, to get three points. And Swerve Strickland had uh, a really good opening match. Uh, sorry, with uh, Jay Lethal. With Jay Lethal. Yeah. Yeah. And Jay so, White fa- faced Roosh, I think. Yeah. Roosh. Yeah. Jay White did face Roosh. My apologies. I th- I'm like, did I say Jay Lethal twice? But you're right. Now, boys, I'm, I'm thoroughly stoked about this. And I love this because this is a great way to have 20 minute matches where there was, uh, from what you saw on Wednesday, on Wednesday night, nobody can be at ringside. There's no interference. And it's just, it's pure wrestling at its greatest form. And this is the great way to create, um, how like really strong performances from your wrestlers. Like I love the guys at the top because they will be in the finals, right? The people that aren't have good showings and then have redemption arcs later on. So the person like maybe I don't expect Daniel Garcia to have like nine points out of this or or 12 points out of this, but at the end of the day, he's really going to be able to show his chops against some of the best wrestlers in AEW. And I think that's really what gets your character over is how these matches happen. How can you perform against the big guys and how do these set up storylines moving forward? I think um, it's, I'm so excited and you can probably hear it in my voice. I love it. Um, Chris, when you're looking at the rosters and you're looking at this, um, we got some big names, obviously, you know, Jay White was just in the final, like in the main event, we're just talking about at full gear, Swerve Strickland had that maging match, Moxley's a, a credible champion, Brian Danielson, but I don't care about them at this point. Who is the long shot that could come out of this to make a final at World's End? That would be shocking potentially to people out there, or maybe not so shocking according to you. Who's the underdog here in each of the leagues? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Claudio, Claudio's, Claudio's got to be one. Like he's got to be kind of a dark horse that that might be able to do it. Um, Daniel Garcia, no, but 
Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think it's going to be between Jay White and Wait, it can't be because they're from the same side, right? Yeah, same side. Okay. Um so then I think Swerve's going to going to move on from that from the the gold side. Um Yeah, Dark Horse though, eh? I don't Moxley. Moxley's in it? Moxley's in it. Yeah. Yeah, so he he could be a dark horse. He's um yeah. one thing <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. He's been an AEW world champion. Well, no, but I just don't. Like, we usually see him. He's only held a different belt once, and it wasn't for very long. So I just, I I don't really see him moving on and then putting that belt on him. But they could. Um, the one thing I really like about it, it's like Christmas for me too, Matt, I, I, is the point system. Because yes. the point system can give you so many different avenues to go. Like, uh, you can have... You can have an underdog beat the top guy because it's a point system. Yeah. So you can do stuff like that where just like Josh hates where you're fighting for a belt and somebody wins and they don't get the belt. This is different where there's no belt attached. So you can take like a like a Moxley could just for an example, a Moxley could lose to a Garcia, but also win other matches. Right. So you you do have those opportunities to make really cool stories just like they do in NJPW. They do this. Like they have guys lose and to someone they're not supposed to lose to, and it's it's great to watch. Like I'm so excited for Josh. I like I can't even I can't even, I'm excited for us, but I'm really excited for Josh because Josh hasn't gone through a full G1 climax, right? Mm. And so this is something like really cool because you're gonna see something different. There's no bullshit here. You're not gonna have a scenario like where the one two three kid beats Razor Ramon. Like in this, that could happen. And, and so you could have somebody that really gets over out of nothing. Like you could have Daniel Garcia be Brian Danielson. And that's, that's a storyline from before where he's like, Brian Danielson's my hero. Well, Daniel Garcia can go 0-3 and, and then beat Brian Danielson and say, like, he could just lose every match but beat Brian Danielson and just go out the next week and say, well, I fucking beat my idol. I beat my hero. I beat the best guy. I beat the guy who won the tournament maybe. You know, like it's, it's fucking, it's really cool to go through because it gives wrestling credibility as a sport. And I think that's really what it is. You're not going to have like, you know, people are like, well, the punches are fake. Well, well, a guy getting fucking staples in his fucking chest is pretty goddamn fucking real, but there's a credibility to it that makes it exciting. And that's really what kind of makes it so cool. Like, I mean, Josh, when you're looking at this, um, you know, the final is going to be the top two people out of out of gold and, and the blue league. Who do you want to see in the finals at World's End if you were watching this? Because, I mean, uh, I'll have another question for you. Let's just start there, and I have a question for you afterwards as well. Uh, will it end at World's End? I thought it was going to take, like, I mean, no, they're going to do, they World, have to fight fi- yeah, they're good. The finals are at World's oh, okay. End on December thirtieth. The blue, uh, the blue, the whoever wins the blue, uh, the blue league and the gold league are going to face off for the triple crown championship. And they fight each other once, everybody, right? Like they fight everybody yes. in their bracket once. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. I would say it's really hard to pick a winner. I think like when Chris is talking about Dark Horse, I don't disagree that John Moxley's probably not going to win, but he's like should be the favorite, right? Because he is like that. In like, if you were to say like in like a G1 climax, like John Moxley is the best wrestler that AEW has, or is one of the best wrestlers that they have. Same thing with Brian Danielson, but like looking at the list and like, I could see Claudio, like dark horse could win too. But like really for me, the dark horse is Brody King. I think he should win the thing, but he's not going to win it. But like, 
it, I would love to see him win it. He's not going to. He's he's fodder, just like Daniel Garcia, just like Roosh. You know, definitely like Mark Briscoe. Mark Briscoe is the biggest dark horse in that in in this thing. Maybe him and Jay Lethal. You know, if they if either of them won, I'd shit my pants. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that I, I'm just kind of hoping that it's like I would like to. I think Swerve Strickland should win this, or like because with the trajectory that he's having, like unless you're trying to delay his story to get to the top, and you don't want to give him these three titles, then that's fine. But if you want to give him the accolades he deserves now, like I don't see Jay White winning, so I think I'd like to see Swerve win this. Ooh, wow. I, uh, I I disagree with that, and I'll get uh, we'll we'll do a final uh, a final opinion on who we think is going to win the tournament or who's going to be in the finals in a sec. But Josh, um, this is your first aspect watching this tournament structure and watching that pure wrestling ability. Um, and we watched those three matches. I don't know what you thought. I thought they were all fantastic. I thought them even the main event with Moxley and Briscoe, which I thought was shouldn't have been the main event. I thought it should have been. Um, White and Roosh, believe it or not, because I thought that was going to be the best set of three. I was really pleasantly surprised about how all the matches turned out. And you are a big wrestling, um, watching the wrestling content for what it is. Did it meet your expectations or did it exceed your expectations for your first couple matches watching a tournament like this? I mean, so all three matches had results that I expected um, because the, the, the three, this, the gold league seems like it's, uh, easier to pick the winners, at least in the, those three matches. Like that was the easy first three matches. In the blue league, it's a little bit harder for me to see uh, people losing because of how powerful some of them should be. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. I think that uh, the problem that I had was the John Moxley Mark Briscoe match was rushed. Like it was when when I looked at the time and I saw that the women's match was just going on. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, you, yeah. this is your final match of the night. And they're like, no, we have another match. We're going to go extra if we have to. And maybe there's a delay on mine because it only went to like 10.04 or 10.05 on no, my... That's the, that's, I was checking on my clock too to see how far they went over. And, and that's accurate. You're accurate at 10.04, 10.05. But like that match was like 10 minutes at the most, not even. And I, I don't know. It's I just It was kind of like... You did it. If you're going to showcase this uh, tournament for the first night, your final match of the night shouldn't be a throwaway. Not not to say that it was a throwaway. It was not to say it was a bad match. It just wasn't like you know the final match, a John Moxley Mark Briscoe match that I'd expect to see. Yeah, I think I think like when I looked at the quality of it, I thought it was really good. I thought I thought White and uh, White and Roosh was great. I thought even Strickland and Lethal were great. And the only difference between Moxley and uh, and and Briscoe was that you had two roughnecks going. But the other difference was when you look at the times, Strickland and White were basically fourteen minutes, where Moxley and uh, and Briscoe were twelve. That was the difference. It was two minutes difference between the matches, but that two minutes can make a big difference in a 14 to 12 to 14 minute match. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see this tournament. Chris, who, who's, who, who's going to win this tournament? Swerve. I think swerve if you can. And so think, think of it this way. I want you to, I want you to give me who wins out of the blue league, who wins out of gold and who wins the tournament at world's end. Uh, I think Danielson will come out of blue. I think Swerve will come out of uh, gold and I think they're going to give it uh I think they're going to give it to Danielson. I mean no no, sorry. I think they're going to give it to Swerve. I think they're going to give it to Swerve. 
I swerved you guys there. Slightly convoluted, like full gear. Yeah, you swerved us. Swerve, uh, swerve when you drive. But we could that? also. We um, could, I, I, Josh, I mean, sorry to jump in, but we could. I, I mean, jeez, you're gonna change your change your answer. Well, now. there are there are some interesting <laughs> things. Like, what if we could see <laughs> like a Moxley versus Danielson would be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Right. I, I would agree with that, too. But Chris is going. I'm sticking with your original answer. Chris is going Danielson Strickland. Strickland is the winner. Josh, what are you saying here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's really difficult. It's hard. to. I think it's hard to pick a winner. I think like my heart says Swerve Strickland wins as well, uh, like overall. Um, but for some reason, I think Eddie Kingston's going to come out of the blue league. Only because, like, he's the one who put up, he's the one who put it up, right? Like, so maybe, like, he's, or is this just, like, he's, like, this is a way to get him off of those titles. So, like, okay, probably not going to be Eddie Kingston, but, like, if it's Swerve and Eddie Kingston, you could say I said it first. Um, but, uh, no, I'm going to stick with Swerve and Eddie Kingston. <laughs> Fuck it, nice. Swerve wins. Wow. Wow. I, I have I have actually, Josh, I'm with you. I have Eddie Kingston as, as a dark horse, but I don't think he gets there. I think uh, I don't even think he comes out of the Blue League. I think Andrade is going to be the steal out of the Blue League um, for wrestling these guys. I think he's going to be quality, but he's not going to win it either. I think Danielson comes out of the blue side. I think the gold side, I don't think it's Swerve. I really don't. And I just don't think that Swerve's meant to be the Triple Crown champion for this. I think... He's going to be better suited as a TNT champ or a world champ based on what we saw at Full Gear. But what I will say is who's going to win gold I think is going to be Jay White. And I actually have Jay White winning this tournament because I think it actually makes sense. Um, a little bit different. I think if you if you put Danielson and White together, I think you're going to have fireworks. I think Danielson can go to Japan, potentially fight Okada and have the belts on the line there too, maybe. But I think Jay White deserves to get his flowers. I think him having the Continental, especially being from New Zealand, being from NJPW and being able to fight across the globe, I think is one of his strong suits. So I think to have him win the win the win this title and be the inaugurable the inaugurable champion for this would be uh, pretty pretty strong for him and his career. And um, I think it would it would make him look good after what happened at Full Gear. So. That's my thought. Did you say inaugurable. Inaugural. Inaugurable. Undo- <laughs> I heard a B in there. Is there a B in inaugural? It's the ru- the rub wrestling. Fuck the abominable. The abominable bowl. The rub wrestling where nothing can possibly <laughs> go wrong. Possibly go said. wrong. That's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. Anywho, we're gonna move it on to uh, we're gonna move it on to Survivor Series. We got Survivor Series coming in on the weekend. We're not gonna try and rush through this. We're already at forty minutes. Holy shit. But um, we're going to go with uh, uh, a match that we're going to talk about for the Intercontinental Championship that's pretty interesting when we look at Gunter versus The Miz. Now, I don't think anybody's really giving Miz much of a chance in this. And I think you look at Gunter and how well he's performed and he's had the belt for like what feels like fucking Roman Reigns-esque a thousand days, but it's probably more like 400 days or 300. Josh will look it up at some point. He's good at that. Um, But... It just seems really odd. The Miz is coming towards the end of his career. Um, I think to this point, um, he's probably hovering around his late thirties, early forties, had an established career, but he is a severe underdog in this match. Chris, 
what are the odds and like percentage wise or fractions, whatever mathematical analysis you want to use that the Miz actually has a chance of dethroning the longest reigning intercontinental championship in WWE history or champion. I will go possible. I, I will go with the lowest mark I've ever received in, in an educational facility. And I'll say, uh, in I was like twenty five percent because I got twenty five percent just for coming every day in uh, physics class, Mister Barry. Um, nice. I Mister Barry, I do. If, if this is coming up to the end of his career, he's he's always had good runs with the Intercontinental Championship. So if I mean, it wouldn't be my ideal pick for for someone to like for the person to take it off him, but. Uh, I think he has had good runs. He he makes himself pretty prevalent when he when he has a title around his his, his waist. Um, I would have liked to see Gable, but um, I do. I think he's going to win. No, um, would I think it make an interesting way for Miz's last run? Yes, and then you can get the belt off Gunther and you can put it on somebody who's established rather than Gable, but. Yeah, I don't. I say twenty five percent. Twenty five percent chance he wins. You never know, right? You never know when they're going to swerve us because there's not not a lot going on on this card right now. So, no, you know, it's a, it's kind of a kind of a weird card for what we've been looking at from the pay per view style. I think a lot of the big stars are kind of in a Survivor Series match on the women's side and on uh, kind of the men's side when you're looking at whatever it is. Um, you know, well, we're we're going to talk about the the big war games match that'll happen on the men's side next. But Josh, what's your percentage of does the Miz even have a shot at winning this? Oh yeah, I think absolutely. I actually think that, I mean, this it could make perfect sense because to get the title off of Gunther, I mean, he's clearly you know a future WWE champion, um, and the way that they're teasing it uh, looks like you know Kaiser's going to have. Like there's going to be a turn at some point because Gunther's starting to talk down to Kaiser, and um, you know Kaiser lost his last match, so like the Miz can easily win a match against Gunther with the help of Kaiser, you know, because Kaiser's upset and he doesn't help Gunther when he needs it or vice something like that. So I mean, I would say it's I'm a little bit higher, like 45 percent. I think could happen only because. I agree that Gunther's going to lose the championship at some point. The Miz is a person who could take it off of him. It doesn't have to be like I, they're not booking anybody to be bigger than Gunther right now um, that would fight for the Intercontinental Championship. So I think it has to be someone like the Miz who's been established. He's what a double uh, trip, whatever time double, Grand Slam, not Royal Grand Slam champion yet. Yep, two time Grand Slam champion. So. And he's been around the block, and I think that, uh, you know, you could run, give him the belt for a few months and have him lose to anybody, right? Like, it's not that hard. I So I'd like to see it because, you know, Survivor Series, is it's unlikely you're going to see another title change, and I feel like that's the thing that WWE continues to not give you is title changes, so. Yep, and uh, you know what, I, I, my worry in this match is that Miz is a pretty good wrestler, Um I don't think it's going to happen, but one of the things that's in the back of my head is that he's going to get embarrassed by a mad technician, like really bad. And he hasn't faced a lot of mad technicians like, like, like Gunter has. Um, I'm not saying the Miz is bad by any means. And I think like, there's always a chance that somebody can have like their, I like to call it the, uh, the WrestleMania Zack Ryder moment. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, but I think that's where we are with Miz in his career at this point. Like, I mean, he's still he's still a draw. He still can gather heater. He can still get you know the crowd behind him when he wants. I think the crowd loves to hate him, and I think that's why he makes such a great heel. Um, but I think he's far past his days of really holding a title for a long period of time. But I agree with you, Josh. I think like it's kind of like something else. Like when a run gets tired, like kind of like Gunter's run may get a little tired. It's good to to have somebody that could that could kind of fill in that's credible that can hold the belt when they go across. But for me, when you look at a PLE that's of and, and Chris, we've talked about how disappointing the card was in a way that from what we've looked at, and we still have SmackDown to go on Friday before everything happens to see like because we're we are going to talk about a a match that's not on the card that's predicted um, at the end. But I mean. When you're kind of looking at it and you have eight of your ten stars really in that War Games match, it really kind of took away on who could really step in on a high level. And it seems like almost a step down to go to The Miz. Um, we've been hearing rumors. Um, I heard a rumor that after this match, like Jey Uso really wants to be the Intercontinental Champion and have a run with a singles title. That would be a, a good matchup for him. But for me, when I look at that match, that's almost a better match than what I like to be on the card than watching, you know, you know, Gunter and the Miz, right? So I don't know. I think either way, we're going to be entertained when we go across and watch it. But I, I, I think I'm with you guys. I have a really low percentage of him winning it. And if he does, it would be kind of like a, you know, not that the Miz is incredible, but it'd be kind of a rags to riches story. You're actually beating one of the, the longest rating internet, like intercontinental champions of all time. And that might solidify Miz as one of the top intercontinental champions of all time because of how many times he's had that title, right? So, moving into the next game, we got our War Games match. Um, that's uh, pretty much going to be probably one of the highlights. Chris, I know you're a massive fan of War Games, yeah. right? And of the Survivor Series 5-on-5. Five five. And, you know, I'm going to ask you probably the most common question for anybody that's watched a lot of Survivor Series in a sec. But um, we're going to have Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Jay Uso, Seth Rollins, and... Dun, 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 dun. Randy Orton, who basically came back on Monday Night Raw to be the fifth member of that team, uh, basically against uh, Judgment Day, um, with their leader being Drew McIntyre, who sided with Rhea Ripley and with the team for the War Games match. So, um, kind of a crazy matchup here where we got 10 amazing well nine amazing man nine amazing wrestler eight amazing wrestlers i mean and dominic and jd mcdonough i think jd mcdonough is good but he's not as well known as he is in in europe and dominic gets a lot of heat but he's you know we've talked about his wrestling ability before but either way it's going to be a good match we but we got eight of the biggest stars in this war games match where we're going to see cage hopefully we're going to see blood and hopefully we're going to see some people get hurt um not badly of course but just violence for our amusement um but really long story for this right chris going into it so i'm going to give you my easiest question that i can ask you right now is there going to be a soul survivor in this? Oh, even though it's war games, could there be? Could there be even be a soul survivor in this? Because pretty sure war games just is whoever gets the pin, right? But let's pretend. Let's say this was a Survivor Series match. Who is the sole survivor if there was one? Uh, I'd have to go. I'd have to go with Cody on this one. I'd have to like if if we're still if we're still following the story, it's a good it's a good win for Cody to be that sole survivor. Um, Sami Zayn would be cool. 
would be cool if he outlasted. Um, but you know, it could actually be possible. What if they go the, go the route where everybody's literally so beat up that there's only one guy left? Um, so you never know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because you know I love the Soul Survivor stuff. But uh, I think like my money goes, my money goes with Cody, and I just like there's not really any reason for Sami Zayn to to like come out of there if he, if it was that way for him to be a sole survivor. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to say Cody. I, I want to say Finn <laughs> Balor too. That'd be Finn Balor would be pretty cool. Josh, um, Randy Orton's obviously a late addition to this match. He's been out for probably close to over a year now. And, um, you know, Randy's another guy who's kind of coming into the, uh, kind of the, uh, the twilight of his career. Um, do you think that his addition in this match really kind of changes it? We talked about, Chris just mentioned about like Cody and the story. Does this change anything for Randy being there? Does this going to set up a feud with somebody you think across the way? Maybe I think, I think he could have a great feud with drew that would really kind of build them both up. Um, but Randy's uh, really one of the Kings of the comeback. When you think of it, um, what do you foresee happening with Randy's addition to this match? <coughs> I'm super pumped that Randy Orton's coming back. Like, hey, Randy. Um, <laughs> but uh, going back to first, going back to what Chris said, I think if it was Soul Survivor with the matches with the people there, the only person who could win would be Seth Rollins because he's the champion, so he can't take a pin. Um, anyway, that's but uh, yeah. So I'm super pumped about Randy being back. I think that you know Randy could develop a story with anybody in that ring on his team or the other team, because like he could, he's, he's known to turn heel here or there as well. So like, you know, you never know. I feel like, you know, Drew McIntyre makes the most sense because it's unlikely that he'll feud with Damian Priest, like someone from the judgment day, because they've got so much going on, but it also could be Finn Balor. But I think the, the, the Drew McIntyre is probably not going to be heel for a long time, but um, you know, uh, he'll probably rock as a tweener for a while. I don't think I don't see him joining the Judgment Day. But Randy Orton, I think this is a good match for him to come back. He'll probably maybe enter last or second last. Um, you know, protect him as long as possible. You don't want to bring him back and then have him get injured again or straight gas. Um, I don't expect him. Yeah, and yeah. well, you know what though? If you, I he's keeping in shape for sure. Like he's his cardio is great. Like I think. The one, the one thing about not one thing about Randy Orton, but like the thing about Randy Orton that's really impressive to me is that when I start stopped watching wrestling, Randy Orton was just becoming, you know, he was just entering into his career, and I hated him, you know, and like that was what you're supposed to do, but just to see how he's evolved into the wrestler that he is and being able to be, you know, the biggest baby face or a ba- you know a face and then also be a heel, and just kind of like not give a fuck, but like then develop other wrestlers at the same time. Like I'm super excited for his twilight because like, you know, first ballot hall of famer right there. Oh, 100%. He, can, he can be, a, he can, he could be the champion one more time and, and you wouldn't bat an eye at it. And I think that like he might deserve that chance and then, you know, retire with his eyes in the sky or to the sky. 
Yeah, he's like he's one of the most versatile wrestlers on the planet as well. When you kind of look at like how quickly he adapted to professional wrestling, coming from you know being in the army and all that stuff, and you know obviously as he's second generation star, I think maybe third, but probably second generation star with his dad, um, you know, and 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 just how quickly he took to everything and how good he got. Like I mean, one of the things that are really funny, like I remember when he first came in, and Chris, you might because I think you might have been watching wrestling a lot, maybe Josh too, if 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 you were, but when they put Randy Orton and he got drafted to SmackDown and then he got injured for that one year and then he had the the percentage countdown about Randy Orton coming back and he's like, hey, my injury recovery is at 23%. And it was uh, like, they do it every week. He's like, we're getting closer. We're at 64%. And then like two weeks later, he's in evolution, right? So <laughs> um, I think it's just going to be really interesting. I think yeah, he's a wild card that comes in. Um, I find... I found like him coming back. We all heard about it. A, a lot of stuff leaks out of WWE camps and it, it just makes it unfortunately more predictable. Right. So it was a little bit predictable. I didn't really see Drew McIntyre kind of siding with that, uh, with, with judgment day until we actually saw the line happening for it. But, um, I think this is going to be a banger. I think war games, you got some big bodies in there. You got people that can work and you got people that are going to be really, really good. They're not afraid to hurt themselves. They're not afraid of anything. And I think this is going to be hopefully very violent. Is it going to be swerve and hangman violent? No, but war games is its own type of violence. And I think, um, WWE bringing back the double cage and having everything is really, really smart. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun to kind of see these matches. Cause they're always, I find good in a lot of cases. Oh, I hope Dominic Mysterio gets his fucking ass beat. Like, I would love to see, like, if he got the Swerve, like, if he got treated like Swerve Strickland did in that match, I would be very pleased and impressed with him. Like, that, you could do it, Dominic. Deathmatch style, baby. Yeah, you gotta do, you gotta do something. There's a lot of pain that comes with wrestling in these matches, and, you know, I think it's your opportunity to really do something awe-inspiring, and uh, you just gotta have the guts to do it, and you kind of hope that your producer in WWE lets you lets you loose to do it right so um it, it'll be a good thing now um like we said this um this is we're, we're, we're kind of shooting this podcast on a thursday night smackdown <coughs> is tomorrow night um survivor series will be saturday um one of the rumored matches that are coming out of camp is obviously solo sokoa coming off a really big victory over john cena um going after la night yeah um I think that's got really big implications, especially with coming out of Crown Jewel and seeing what happened where LA Knight uh, unsuccessfully challenged for Roman Reigns' Universal Championship. Um, but this is a match between two up-and-comers that really could go either way when you actually think about it on the card. You got Solo Sokoa on one hand, who's an absolute killer, and you have probably, arguably, one of the most charismatic superstars we've seen in the last five years with LA Knight, um, and the catchphrases and, and everything that he has going on, and, uh, you know, uh, that's pretty much it. So it's not, just, uh, it's not just the truth, guys. It's a fact of life. So, Chris... When you're thinking about this match, does this match need to happen at Survivor Series? Do you think, like, as, as a predicted match, do you think this match is happening, and do you think it's going to really add to this card if it if it goes down the way it's supposed to go down on SmackDown? I think it's hard not to put LA Knight on the card, so if that's the way to do it, that's pretty good. Solo's coming off a win against John Cena, correct, if I'm not mistaken? So it's kind of... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting because like, do you take somebody who just beats John Cena and then have them lose? Um, so that's 
So I don't, I, I'm not too sure what's going to happen with this one. Um, I like, you got to keep LA's momentum going. He's older. Like this is going to be his last shot to get to uh WWE main event status. So, I mean, I guess, I guess the, the writing will be on the wall either way. If he loses, we, that's probably the end of LA night. Cause that's, I don't know. It's hard to come back from a loss like that. And if he wins, I think we know that that momentum's momentum's still going. I mean, if they're going to book him to lose, he just lost as well to, uh, he just lost in his bid for the championship. So yeah, I don't know. I, I hope he wins and I hope they keep it going, but we know with WWE, sometimes we see somebody lose a big match and that's, uh, to put somebody else over them. So, Chris, are, are you in prison right now? No. Yeah, because you need to get off the fence. Who's winning <laughs> this match? Is it Solo or LA Knight? Get off the fence. Who's winning? If this match goes down, who, who takes it? LA Knight takes it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. seen a lot of. You know, we've seen a lot of things and Chris mentioned really apart. And I think like there's a lot of kind of a lot of stuff when it comes to winning and losing. Like, so, you know, you mentioned the Seth Rollins things that he should win as a champion. Um, I kind of disagree with that a little bit because I think it's a perfect chance to kind of create that clouded doubt in him. If it to lose in a, in a bigger spectrum, like, cause you wouldn't expect him to lose that one-on-one. Right. So is Chris right with what he's saying about LA Knight? If Solo Sokoa does go over, it doesn't really take an, an effect for LA Knight where he's like really dropped down at that point because let's face it, we know a lot of the numbers. This guy's the number one merchandise sales in in WWE for the last like seven or eight months now. Like, is it a really big hit for him to lose this? Or and and what do you think? Who do you think is the winner of this match if it is announced? Yeah, I'm kind of like Chris on the fence. Uh, you know, you hope for LA Knight to win. I could see Solo Cole winning. Actually, I think I would go on the opposite direction, saying LA Knight loses with interference that helps Solo Cole win. It keeps LA Knight kind of like I'm not saying that he can't just beat Solo Cole, but he's got to beat him clean. I don't see Solo Cole losing clean, so that's kind of where I'm going. Where Solo Cole Solo Cole wins. And he beats LA Knight by cheating, and LA Knight's like, you know, like, well, you know, of course I lose to you the same way that I lost to Roman, you know, like that's all you guys ever do. And then maybe it creates a match with Roman where there's like no outside interference. I don't know. Or I still don't see LA Knight being the one who takes it off of Roman Reigns, anyways. So him losing delays him getting back in the face of Roman Reigns maybe a little bit longer. I'm not sure. So I'm going to go with Solis Koa. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree. It is a little bit of a tough call when you look at it. I just think I think WWE's stupid if they don't go with LA Knight. I think you need somebody that's going to fill the slot to at least Royal Rumble, right? And I think like if Cody's finishing the story, like at the end of the day, like is are you okay with putting LA Knight, a guy like kind of what you said, Chris, on the on the twilight of his career, kind of with his last shot to really kind of vault into that main event status? Are you really going to waste it to just give Cody what he wanted a year later? And, and it kind of goes back to what happened with kind of when we were talking about like with Sami Zayn, right? Like you need to strike when the iron's hot and the iron's really hot right now for LA Knight. And we're kind of seeing this again where, where they're not kind of using it to its its best potential. I mean, money-wise, it's great. If they're making merch sales, that's fantastic. But, you know, 
merch sales really dictates your popularity in a lot of cases. I mean, unless you have something else going for you, like Reigns doesn't have to be the number one in merchandise. Bloodline merchandise will sell itself, but at the end of the day, like he has the the thousand day, you know, I've held the belt for three years type type gig with it, right? Um, so. I don't really know kind of where to go with this when you're kind of coming through. Is he like, what do you guys think? Do you think he's a placeholder for the Royal Rumble when he comes back in and we're just waiting on Cody to come in and fight Roman at WrestleMania? Is that the plan here? Like, do you see anything else? Because I, I that's what I really see. I don't really foresee LA Knight with anybody else or kind of going after any other title till Royal Rumble. It almost makes sense, right? It's kind of bad. It's kind, it's kind of bad timing because, yeah, especially since like we all. That's all what we think we know is Cody's going to be the guy. So it's kind of bad timing for LA Knight to get as popular as he is because unless unless Hunter is going to change his mind, unless unless he's totally different than Vince and maybe prolongs prolongs Cody, I, I don't know. That's the one thing for me is like we said the twilight of his career. It's like like do you take do you take that away from him? Do you get him all like do you get him a taste and get him all the way up there, have him make you a ton of money and don't really reward him? So I uh, it's you you want to see it of course but if if there is steadfast unless Cody gets hurt if Cody gets hurt you never know but I think I think they're gonna go with Cody I think that like they've ran this for so long there's no way there's no way they can change it and I just think it's bad bad timing for LA Knight to get popular. Yeah, Josh, what are your thoughts? I think, like, I think if once you get to the Royal, like, I think, honestly, like, right now, like, you'd have to pencil in Cody Rhodes as the Royal Rumble winner at this point, again, to win it for a second year in a row. I mean, I don't know any other way that he gets to fight Roman other than winning the Royal Rumble or just magically showing yeah. up on SmackDown one day, right? Like, is is he the penciled-in winner for the Royal Rumble, in your opinion? Yeah, I think I've said that a few episodes ago, several episodes ago, that the, that's kind of how I saw it play. I thought there was going to be a swerve when Jey Uso came to Raw, and then I thought Cody was like, oh, this is how I go to SmackDown, and then the story continues. So then, you know, it opened up the Rumble to someone else, but, you know, the only logical way for Cody to fight Roman without a brand change would be through the Royal Rumble. So they would have to, and the draft is after WrestleMania, is it not? Or is it, it's after the rumble yeah, at least usually, like yeah, i know that it's, yeah it's after wrestlemania because they usually do it going into the new season that'll signify the new season yeah so what i actually think is that you know la Knight could continue his popularity and that potentially he gets drafted to raw and beats whoever seth rollins has lost to or seth rollins at some point maybe he gets that title does it need to be the universal title i'm not really sure Again, I don't think that he's the one to beat Roman Reigns. I'm not wouldn't be upset with him beating Roman Reigns. It's just the way that the story is going out. Again, less unless Cody gets hurt, he's he's already foreshadowing that he's going to close the story. So like Cody's going to fight Roman again, whether he's the one who beats Roman, I don't fucking know. I mean, Damian Priest could beat Roman at this point. Get that money in the bank out there and like like. That's the wild card. He's got to use it before WrestleMania, right? So who's he going to use it on? Is he going to become another statistic? You know, the men's title hasn't always won the championship like the women's title, which hopefully the money in the bank changes that eventually where the women doesn't win because that would be fun too. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's really interesting to see what way it's going to go. And, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of a cool storyline for a predicted match. I, you know, and I think we talked about more than the, the about that match and the other two matches really combined. Right. Um, so 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if that gets shown on on Friday night, if that's going to happen on SmackDown, and that that's the type of match that we're going to be looking forward to. Um, so again, you know, Survivor Series will be on Saturday, um, November twenty fifth, uh, with the kickoff starting at seven o'clock. So uh, be sure to check that out. It should be a good. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. We're I'm I'm hoping for the best. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm not saying it's a. I think the card's like a five or six out of ten at this point, and. <laughs> I just, I'm just hoping it's a lot better than uh, what it is. We've been surprised in the past, so let's be for real. But, gentlemen, that's it for topics for episode 24. Anything you want to add, Chris? No, I'm good. Well, yeah, it's, it seems like uh, your door is still in fantastic shape. I can't wait till you fix it. Um, Josh, what about you? Anything to add here? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to slice your salami, right? Yeah, I, I just uh, you know earlier was brought up. Gunther has been Gunther has been champion five hundred and twenty nine days. Really? Um, fuck, I was way off. Five hundred and twenty nines. No, yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Besides uh, my slices, my salami. Josh, slice it up. I uh, totally forgot about slice my salami. So slice it up, good sir. Nice and fun. Uh, okay, so this is kind of two, but they go together. So. You know what really slices my salami? Tell us. Uh, tell long us. Long setups for high flying. <laughs> what really slices my salami is long setups for high flying moves and wrestlers positioning themselves at a long distance for high flying moves. So <laughs> when, you know, someone hits the rope six times and then you can see the wrestlers congregating. Uh, I believe it happened several times last night in the women's match or maybe it was on Monday. And, you know, where the person hits the, hits the ropes four or five times, claps, and gets the fans into it. It's a little too slow for me. Um, considering how many uh, wrestlers no-sell, there's a lot of, like, guys somewhat shuffling from the wrong corner of the ring to make sure that they're close enough so the person can hit their moonsaults. Uh, and that's what uh, slices my salami, fellas. Yeah, get it together, guys. Like, get closer and help your opponent out by letting them, you know, when you're going to do a suicide move that's supposed to look like it hurts them. Like, get closer so that they can actually looks like it hits them. Like, fuck. Yeah, just do like a Darby <laughs> Allen. Just, like, make sure you throw yourself and don't give a fuck. Oh, that's the other thing that I forgot to say is uh, we won't be seeing Darby Allen for a while because he's going to go train in China to climb Mount Everest. <sighs> Let's hope he doesn't wow. end up as one of those yeah, frozen good. bodies. Yeah, <laughs> he might. Hey, there's the Darby. There's the well, Darby I mean, Allen la things. landmark right there. We're halfway up the hill. Well, it's it's funny because I mean it's either that or he's gonna die riding the tricycle off the off the thing with uh, Nitro Circus. So it's one of those two, right? So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I think you'll get through it. He should be fine. He's mentally tough. Take that much pain, you have to be mentally tough, right? But you can't fix an anoxic brain injury, though. No, that's very true. And, uh, that's very true. Good old, uh, better learn how to anaerobic anaerobic breathing exercises, which seems contradictory, but better have a good anaerobic system when you're up there. Um, but that's it. Episode 24 is in the books. Get ready. Survivor Series this weekend. Get ready. Collision Continental Classic continues on Saturday. Big day on Saturday for wrestling. So get ready for that. And with that being said, Josh, you can laugh your ass off now if you want. Wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. With that, the Rub Wrestling Podcast bids you adieu. Bang! Because the beats
running copacetic When it all falls down, I hope you don't forget it Nico City, son of anarchy, the hype demanded me Mike and Damage showed you amateurs the cost of vanity So fuck humanity, flow we murder open-handedly Most of my clique, yo, they come from broken families So I'm dabbing open, it's coming through a claw shot